Wings for the game, boom, cash back. New lucky jersey, boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run can score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. And oh, did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 78. I'm Ryan Wilson. That's Rick Spielman. And today, we'll go through some of our favorites for Rookie of the Year. We'll look at the odds. We'll make our individual cases for candidates on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. And then we'll give you our pick to win the award when it's all said and done. So just to recap, Rick, we're going to tease three players on each side of the ball. Don't tell us who your player actually is, but make a case for all three of them. Then Debo and I will tell you who it should be, and then you'll give us the wrong answer. Does that work? Yeah. No, I think I have the instructions. But I have to tell you before we get started, you know, we're rebuilding our house down here on the island still, but I wanted to start to produce my own honey. I'm getting into all this natural oh, no. and everything. Like I know where this is going. Go ahead. <laughs> so it just happened <laughs> the other night. I went to a beekeeper and uh-huh. I wanted to buy 12 bees. Well, he counted out the 12. He gave, and ended up he giving me 13. And I said, sir, you gave me 13 bees, not 12. You know what he told me? What? You had one freebie. <laughs> hey, Devo, how many hours did Rick spend talking, telling himself that joke in the mirror? <laughs> you know it's uh, he's excited about it when he does it at the top of a show. Absolutely. I, I'll give him credit. He didn't mess up any words. He, he got his lines out. He, he crushed it. So well done on the preparation. Not your worst dad joke either. That's a pretty good one. One freebie? <laughs> That's pretty good. You know, it's funny. Like, I'm such an idiot. When you started the, the story, it's like, oh, Rick likes honey because I, I, we have, you know, we live in the middle of nowhere here. So there's a lot of honey from the local farmers. I'm like, oh, this will be an interesting conversation. No, he wanted, to th- he wanted to get in the freebie joke. All right. All right. Well, now I'm going to ask you a question, Rick. Okay. Debo, get the, get the uh, images ready because our guy, Tyler Sullivan, and we'll get into the details of the rest of the show in a second, but this is actually noteworthy because we're going to clear the air here. You're going to, you're the source of the story from from back in the day, and you're going to tell us whether it's fact or fiction. A little game that we'll just make up on the spot here. So I got Tyler Sullivan, who writes for the NFL here at CBSSports.com, uh, covers the Patriots, wrote a story last week uh, where he transcribed 
our guy Troy Aikman talking to Adam Schefter on Adam Schefter's podcast. Oh. And you know what Troy Aikman said? No. Troy Aikman said. Oh, here's the headline. Cowboys legend Troy Aikman reveals he nearly came out of retirement to join this AFC team in 2003. Now, if we're talking to Rick Spielman about 2003, Rick was in the front office with the Miami Dolphins. The head coach was Dave Wonstadt. The offensive coordinator was Norv Turner. Troy and Norv had a relationship because Norv was also in Dallas when Troy was there. And here's the quote that Troy gave Adam Schefter on the podcast. So I was going to do it, Aikman said about coming out of retirement. I thought, well, I'll give it a shot. Rick Spielman was the senior vice president of football operations, and he ultimately was the one, I believe, that decided not to sign me. So, Rick, you're on the clock. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I, I'd have to go back and look through my role. That's, I can't remember that. You don't remember that top of your head? That's not one of those things you're like, oh, boy. I'm talking about Troy Aikman. So I don't know if I was ultimately the one that said, uh, no, let's not sign Troy. <laughs> Troy threw you right under the bus. <laughs> get in line. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I've got a lot of buses running over me. So, <laughs> But here's the good news. I mean, passing on Troy. Troy Aikman admitted he also said it was probably for the best that he didn't sign. Uh, he ended up getting the, the in-the-booth gigs, and he's still doing that to this day. And he's, he's making um, a lot of money doing it. So I, I, he seemed to be okay with it. But also worth noting, and Tyler wrote about this in the story, Miami started, remember the starting quarterback that year, 2003? Was it Jay Fiedler? Jay Fiedler. The team went 10-6 and six to finish second in the AFC well, East. College Dartmouth. College Dartmouth. And uh, the you, somehow at 10-6, you missed the playoffs that year, but you actually had a pretty good year. So I, I wanted to get that get you on the record for that because I was like, there's no way that Rick didn't sign Troy Aikman. Well, it, there's a lot of things, too. I was uh... – Dave Wonstadt and North Turner were there. They had the relationship with Troy Aikman back in the days of Dallas. And I know there was some discussions, uh, but I can't remember the result on, on why it wasn't signed or not signed, to be honest with you. Okay. It was also three years after he last played. It's not like he was coming off of some miraculous season. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I believe you because Rick is, if nothing else, incredibly honest. With the uh, the wins and the losses, so good. You, I tell you what, you look shocked. You didn't know which way that story was going to go when I started. <laughs> so it could have gone worse, I suppose, huh? Yeah, yeah, could have just like my B, my B, my B story went worse. Yeah, now your B story is actually pretty good. I've I've actually heard worse dad jokes from people on this podcast. I won't name names. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the rookie of the year conversation. We'll do that in a second, of course. Uh, you mentioned the last show, Rick, that you had a tease for a player that we might not expect to be on your list. Do you want to tease him again, or do you want me to just get right into it? Get right into it. Okay. Well, I got to do the other stuff, so you had your opportunity. Yeah, you, you did your B story. We did the Troikman thing. By the way, if you're watching us on YouTube at NFL on CBS, you can see the official with the first pick draft countdown clock. Rick, how many days? 231 days till the 2024 NFL draft and Debo spares no expense on all of our props that go behind counting down to the draft. Are uh, you writing those or those numbers you bought? I bought them. Okay. I got them off of Amazon. And by the way, Debo, you owe me 12 bucks. And you did not expense them? The CBS? <laughs> not yet. Okay. Debo said he would, he would pay me out of his pocket. All right. By the way, if you missed it, our last episode was a good one. Pop or drop. The Tuesday show, uh, players that popped included names like Shadur Sanders. Going to hear a lot about him. Drake May, of course, and Keon Coleman, the wide receiver at Florida State. While Jaden Daniels, Johnny Wilson, and Marvin Harrison Jr. What were some of the names 
of players to drop. Check out that podcast for the entire list of old droppers and poppers. In related news, next week we'll be doing another Popper Drop Tuesday show. We'll not only react to some of the best performances from the college football weekend, but the NFL is back, which means we'll highlight some big-time rookie performances as well. Finally, if you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with a prospect's name, we'll evaluate that player on an upcoming show. We already got a few, and I'm looking forward to talking about those guys. One of the players that was requested was Peyton Wilson, the inside, the up-ball linebacker at NC State. I watched him a little bit last year because I thought he might come out. They play Notre Dame this weekend, so that'll be a good test for him. And uh, we'll get together with Debo and determine when we'll do that show. But we'll get these uh, prospects on to talk about. So do that. Leave a five-star review. Tell us which prospect you want us to talk about. We'll talk about it. Was there any controversy about me putting uh, Sanders at number three quarterback coming out of the week? The only controversy, Rick? and this perhaps is no surprise when you talk about the internet, is that people were angry that we weren't higher on Shadur Sanders sooner. <laughs> and I said in the lead-up to the conversation about Shadur, I watched him at Jackson State, and I had questions because it's hard to tell sometimes. And I actually asked you this question. When you have a player who's surrounded by players who are so good at a level that isn't uh, Power 5, it's hard to tell sometimes to sort out, at least for me, what's – the player and what's just the talent around you. And you're going up against the guys, many of whom won't be playing professional football. So, you know, people like to get angry, so that's okay. More B jokes. I think that's the answer. All right. Before we get this, get to the uh, offensive and defensive rookie of the year conversation. Let's start with another quarterback, Caleb Williams. His dad had some comments the other day, Rick, where he said, listen, the draft is backwards. And he actually makes a lot of sense when you look at it from the perspective of a father concerned about where his son gets a job, like if you're the number one engineer coming out of engineering school, MIT, you don't go to the worst business engineering business in the country. You, you get whatever job you want. So if you're listening, Debo just put this graphic on YouTube and here's what Caleb's dad said. He'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. If there's not a good situation, the truth is he can come back to school. The other thing is uh, Rick is of course, NIL, Makes that certainly more entertaining. A couple other examples, and I'll talk about those in a second, but John Elway in 1983 and Eli Manning in 2004, there was no NIL. Their families uh, weren't in need of money, so it wasn't a situation where they had to come out. And I don't know what Caleb's situation is. I don't think he has to come out either way. NIL solves that problem, but I don't know what his, his family's financial situation is. But you tell me, is Caleb Williams' dad right? Boy, well, if he doesn't come out, let's say he doesn't come out this year, what – makes the situation better next year. So, I think the only leverage you have as a quarterback in this situation is that you can force the team to trade you even if they do draft you. Yeah. And then I, you know, the way things are going in the NFL now, and there's so many new, uh, the way colleges have changed with the NIL, I can't imagine how much money he's making for the new Wendy's commercials that he's doing. I see yeah. him every five minutes on TV now. So, um, but he will never be the first overall pick. I don't know if you'll ever get that kind of money back because it's a significant amount of money. Um, and I would look at it differently, maybe because I'm old school. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Buckle up. <laughs> is he going to play in an all-star game or is he going to play in a bowl? Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> all pick the him off the board. <laughs> I would just say this. If you have an opportunity to go and change a franchise, um, 
to take that opportunity. Like, look at the Eli situation, and that was with Eli and I believe Philip Rivers, right? Yep. yep. So Eli ended up in New York, but with Eli, it was the San Diego Chargers at the time, but then they became the LA Chargers. But would that have been a, a bad situation for him? Let me turn it around on you. For both the Baltimore Colts, he drafted John Elway in 83 and ended up trading him to Denver. And then Eli, who was drafted by the San Diego Chargers and then traded to the Giants. The losers for me in those situations are not the quarterbacks. John Elway went to five Super Bowls, won two. Eli went to two Super Bowls and won those. It would be the Giants and the Chargers who are not, excuse me, the um, the Chargers and the, and the Colts who did not go to Super Bowls in their respective cities. Uh, Baltimore moved to became Baltimore became the Ravens. I went to Indianapolis. They eventually went to Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. But the point is, you wonder if it, they would have been better served trying to get more in return because th those football players weren't going to go there. But I don't think the players lost out. It felt like that the organizations who originally drafted those players lost out. Wait, do you think that if Eli would have ended up with the Chargers, that he, he would have had the same result? I don't know. And one of the concerns, and Eli talked about this recently, and our guy John Breach wrote about it on CBSSports.com, but one of the concerns, uh, Eli said it was my decision, having talked to his agent, that he didn't want to do it. And one of the speculative concerns was that at the time, the Chargers struggled to develop these quarterbacks. Ryan Leaf didn't work out, and obviously they drafted Ryan over Peyton, or Peyton went number one, and then Ryan went number two. And then Drew Brees was drafted in, in 2001, I believe, a second-round pick. He didn't work out. He was sharing time. Uh, he wasn't even starting consistently. Yeah, he was behind Philip Rivers. Before Philip Rivers, it was Doug Flutie. I remember Doug Flutie and he were sharing time, playing time with Marty Schottenheimer as a coach. So I wonder if that played a part in it as well. So to answer your question, I feel like he could have had success in San Diego slash L.A., but you can't make a player do what he doesn't want to do when they have that sort of leverage. Yeah, but I don't know what leverage they have because if you get drafted, they, they cannot show up and just say, I won't show up. I'll sit out the year and enter the draft the following year. Right, but that then what do you get in return if you're the team? You Nothing. lose out on the first overall pick. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Uh, again, the reason the league is so good and why every every – fan of all 32 teams right now has optimism well maybe 30 teams have optimism going into the season it's because of how everything is structured to try to make the nfl as equal as possible or the parity across the league yeah because you are strictly of a there's no tanking going on you say i say you say that and then i see what the cardinals are doing with the quarterback situation uh, I think Josh Dobbs is reportedly expected to start, who they just traded for a few weeks ago, has a relationship with the offensive coordinator, of course. But there, there's some things going on there. And the other thing I'll say about the Cardinals is they are not known historically for having great ownership. And if they have the first overall pick and you're Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams' father, you might be hesitant. And, and just so you know, Debo points out that uh, according to On3, they project that NIL money for Caleb in this year is $2.6 So not first overall pick money. Right now, because you're talking, I believe, close to $60 million in fully guaranteed contract for the first overall pick. If I'm, uh, you know, and I don't, I have it, I don't have it right in front of me, but I know it's a significant amount of money. And even if you get to the second contract and get to the monies they're getting, that's still 60 some million dollars. But let's say 
it's the Arizona Cardinals and you decide, well, I'm just going to go back. I got NIL money. I got insurance to cover me in case I have a God forbid career threatening injury. And then you go into next year's draft or when your eligibility is up and let's say it's a team not in the same state as Arizona that also is a, I believe tax free state or very low income tax state. Yeah. Um, and it's out west. It's not too far from LA. I wouldn't call it a major market, but you know, you got to look at all those other things as well. So let me throw some teams at you. So we talk about Arizona, um, Washington. And I'm just going through reverse Super Bowl odds as we sit here. So Sportsline put out the Super Bowl odds. If you go from the bottom and scroll up to see who is least likely to win the Super Bowl according to Vegas. Arizona's at the top, no surprise. Washington's actually up there. We'll see how they do. The Titans are another team that could be in the mix for a quarterback, depending on what happens, especially if it's Caleb Williams. Now, they probably won't draft Drake May if they like Will Levis. We'll see. Tampa Bay is also in that conversation. They have Baker Mayfield in the post-Tom Brady world. And those are teams that maybe Caleb and his dad are like, no, they're too much rebuilding needing to happen, whatever. But then you see teams like the Dolphins. Everyone likes going to South Beach. These players love playing in South Beach. Who knows what's going on with Tua? I'm just throwing out teams out there that could potentially be in the mix. And would you agree with this? It feels like, and when I go over the actual compensation that happened for Elway and even Eli Manning, it certainly feels like teams are willing to certainly give up way more now than they were 20, 30 years ago. Yeah, no, I agree because uh, even these younger GMs or this next generation of GMs in the league, it used to be, okay, you know you're going to be there. So we got to keep an eye on the now, but also in the future. And now it seems like they are in the same time frame or same window as head coaches. So they're doing everything they can in the win now mode. That's why I think you see a lot more aggressiveness in trades and giving up opportunity and giving up draft picks because the front office is not as about as unstable as the coaching is. And they're in the win-now mode just as much as the head coach is in the win-now mode. So, ironically, the 49ers gave up all that draft capital to go get Trey Lance. Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are in pretty stable situations, it feels like. It helps that they win a lot of football games and continually make their way to the postseason. But let me just tell you the draft compensation. In 1983, after the Colts drafted John Elway, and John Elway said, I'm not going. I've been, he, he, according to the news story I read, read in 83, he told them back around Christmas, I'm not going to play for you. They drafted him anyway. So the Broncos ended up trading the off the tackle they drafted in the first round of 1983, Chris Hinton, quarterback Mark Herman, and a 1984 first round pick in exchange for Elway. That's it. Yeah, that's not happening nowadays. Absolutely not. And in fact, let's look at what the compensation was for Eli. So Eli was drafted, of course, by the Chargers, um, and then he was traded. To the Giants, in the deal, the Giants got Manning, while the Chargers got Phillip Rivers. They also got a 2004 third-round pick, which turned into kicker Nate Kading. <laughs> a 2005 fifth-round pick, which was, uh, excuse me, 2005 first-round pick, which is Sean Lights Out Merriman. That was a good pick. And a 2005 fifth-rounder, which was Notre Dame tight end Jerome Collins. Again, that feels like you're stealing Eli Manning, right? Right. Well, look at what the draft compensation it was for, like you said, Trey Lance. What did Carolina give up this year to go up and get Bryce Young? If you think Caleb Williams is a generational quarterback, which everybody is saying that he is, 
I can't imagine the draft compensation Ooh. for someone moving up trying to get him, especially if the number one overall pick more than likely is going to need a franchise quarterback anyway. Exactly. So Miami was a team that I mentioned, two other teams that just sort of popped out that don't necessarily – the Rams could be in a situation where they – I don't know. They actually have some draft capital finally. But that could be an enticing situation for Caleb Williams, perhaps, just to me speculating. Uh, the 49ers as well. We'll see what happens with Brock Purdy. Um, Dallas Cowboys. Should I mention that? <laughs> I got Trey Lance for a rounder. They got Trey Lance. They would have to trade that uh, cumbersome contract of Dak. But they, you know, Jerry Jones said the other day that they love Dak. Let me read. Uh, so here's. So I'm going to read this one part from the 83 article uh, about the impasse that the Elways had with. The, the Baltimore char, uh, Baltimore Colts at the time. So Jack Elway was the coach of San Jose State. He's John's dad. And he told the New York Times that he was extremely disappointed that the San Diego Chargers, a team that would later have to trade Eli Manning, didn't make a move for his son. And John had made it clear he wanted to stay on the West Coast. Uh, they were widely considered to be the front runner in the bidding for Baltimore's first pick. The Chargers had accumulated three first-round picks in that draft, Rick. Number five, number 20, number 22, and they had spoken to the Colts many times prior to the draft, but the Chargers had said they did not want to give up that number five pick to be a part, anything to be a part of the deal. So they wouldn't get off the number five pick, and they missed out on John Elway. Well, let, let me ask you this. Let's say um, a Cardinals, but the, another team that, that, uh, next year. And you know that if you're the Arizona Cardinals, you can get a boatload, which they did already. Imagine what the draft capital they got for Will Anderson from Houston, right? Mm -hmm. So now let's say they move down, and but you're still in striking distance for Drake May. Yeah. And then you get a boatload of picks to go along with Drake May. That may be enticing as well. Yeah, and that's a good point. Thankfully, there's a number two quarterback in this class. And we talked about that a little bit last year with Bryce and CJ. Are you comfortable coming off Bryce and moving down for CJ or whatever the case may be? And that's something to consider. And also worth noting, there were six quarterbacks drafted in that 1983 class, one of the best ever. Uh, John Elway, Ken O'Brien. We'll do a quick game. Ken O'Brien, where do you go to school? Mm, that uh, that um, You're getting deep into my uh, repertoire work. <laughs> California Davis, D2, wow. or maybe F, F, uh, FCS. Tony Eason went to the Patriots. He went to Illinois. Some guy named Jim Kelly out of the U, Western PA guy, went to Buffalo, Hall of Famer. And uh, Dan Marino, who the Steelers passed on and regretted it, also Hall of Famer, went to Pitt. Another Western PA guy played for the Dolphins, talking about the Dolphins. Uh, and then finally, Todd Blackledge was uh, the last quarterback taken. Do so, you know, Can I give you a little uh... – Todd Blackledge grew up in a town right next to mine. Oh. Penn State, right? Yeah. I was recruited by Pitt uh, when Dan Marino was a quarterback at Pitt. And uh, go, who was the third one you mentioned? I mentioned Eason. I mentioned Jim Kelly. Eason, and yeah. Back then, I played against him when we almost, Southern Illinois almost beat Illinois. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. So, but wait a second, though. Um does it still hold that Sean Payton was a better quarterback than Tony Eason? Well, Sean Payton was at Eastern Illinois. But I thought you said Sean Payton was the best quarterback you faced. He was. So he was better than Tony Eason. 
Well, Tony Eason was uh, – he was a very good quarterback, too. <laughs> Just in case Tony's listening. I don't want a Troy Aikman situation to come back up on this podcast. <laughs> Just in case you're listening, Tony, one and one A. We'll let you decide how those guys are ranked. All right, so this is going to be a story worth watching. Man, it feels like Caleb has some leverage, and it feels like the team that has to end up trading these quarterbacks or not drafting them at all end up being on the short end of the stick. But to your point, Arizona already has two first-round picks. And if we get to the situation where we got to figure out the Caleb thing, if Drake May balls out or the QB3, who we don't know who he is yet, balls out, they have some options. So we'll monitor that. But right now we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We'll finally start talking about these rookies of the year right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right. How mad would you be if you were the general manager of the team with the first overall pick and Caleb Williams told you he's not coming? Yeah, that would be uh, – you're going to have a lot of pre-draft conversations. <laughs> what happens when the owner calls into the office and says, wait a second, why – this has to happen? Well, how do yeah, you talk well, him off the ledge? The owner is going to definitely be involved in this because you're going to be talking to the kid. The owner is going to be talking to the kid. You're going to be talking to the representatives. It's not like the owner's just sitting on the side. The owner's going to be heavily involved in that as well. But I'm asking you, how do you deal with that? Because you know it might not go the way the owner wants to go. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, no, you got to just have upfront, honest, honest conversations. Why doesn't he want to play here? Well, let's go ask him. Oh, man. All right. And don't end me. on the plane with me so you can hear the <laughs> response as well. Until the, until the player's like, listen, I don't like the general manager. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not let's let's start over. All right, let's get to this offensive rookie of the year conversation. Uplifting stories, not so much things we have to worry about when it comes to franchise quarterbacks. All right. As Debo notes, over the last since 2000, we've had nine quarterbacks, nine running backs, and five wide receivers lead the charge for offensive rookie of the year. Past 10 years, we've had four running backs. Man, these are some some blasts from the past. Eddie Lacy won offensive rookie of the year, which is uh Fun to think about. Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Saquon, of course, all balled out. Three quarterbacks, Dak, Kyler, and Justin Herbert, and three wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr., Jamar Chase, Garrett Wilson. Two LSU guys and OSU guy. All right. So, Rick. Rick, who should have won Rookie of the Year in 2020? Justin Herbert or? Justin Jefferson. It was a, yeah, 
but it's because of the quarterback. Justin Jefferson should have definitely won. I did have two offensive rookie of the years. Can you name them? Uh, da, 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 da. Can you name one, Debo? I mean, AP is the easy one. Oh, yeah, Adrian Peterson. It's not. So the other one must be on defense. Is that right? No. Offensive rookie. Oh, you said offense? So I'm looking at the list that Debo put together. I didn't see it. Percy Harvin. Percy won it? Yeah. Man, Percy was good. Really good player. Yeah, we almost had uh, Cordero Patterson win it his rookie year. Yeah. Maybe you know what you're doing. No. I'm sitting here or else. <laughs> Except for when you cut Troy Aikman. Other than that, you, you had a really good career. <laughs> I'm not to sign Troy Aikman. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you didn't remember that. So, wait, were you the, the final decision maker or who was their general manager there? Head coach. There was, the head coach was a general manager. When oh, I was, okay. Yeah. There you I, go. So make that clear earlier on next time. Yeah. <laughs> so, Wanset had final say, huh? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. All right. So here are your three candidates, Rick, for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And sell us equally on all three, and then Debo and I will tell you which one is the right selection. So you have Bryce Young. Shocker. By the way, our buddy Pete Prisco told me the other day that I will never, ever say a bad word about Bryce Young, and I said that's absolutely correct. Number two, Jameer Gibbs, the 12th overall pick, playing for the Detroit Lions, who will be debuting tonight on Thursday night. And then Jordan Addison, the wide receiver out of Pitt and USC, who was the first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings. All right, the floor is yours, Rick. Well, let's talk about Bryce Young first, okay? Uh, I do believe he has enough weapons around him. They went out and signed DJ Chark, Adam Thielen. Uh, they drafted Mingo. They got Hayden Hurst, the tight end. You know, they added Miles Sanders uh, from Philadelphia uh, this offseason in the backfield to go along with Chubba Hubbard, who I think is one of the most underrated backs in the league. So I do believe they have enough weapons around them. My biggest concern, and especially coming out of the preseason, is are they going to be able to protect him? And if he's able to get some protection, he's going to put up numbers that will put him in the conversation definitely for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Let but me ask you, are you uh, encouraged by the fact that the offensive line seemed to improve over the preseason? Well, it's, no. <laughs> okay, that's not good. I know. That last game, uh, was it Detroit Lions? Uh, Detroit was playing all their twos and threes. Yeah, all right, fair enough. They're going to have to prove it, uh, you know, in when the uh, real games start this weekend. So, But I do have them up there as one of my favorites uh, because of everything that I just laid out, especially with the weapons around them. But the biggest thing is, can they protect them? Right. My second candidate. Jameer Gibbs. Why do I say this? You're probably asking yourself, Ryan Wilson. <laughs> Why? Why? Well, I went back and looked at Ben Johnson, what he's done with that offense, how uh, Jared Goff has played. Um, they only have one offensive weapon, I think, on, on that receiver, and that is St. Brown. But I don't think they have any other great weapons around them. And then you look last year what Swift did. And Swift had 66 targets, 49 catches, uh, 386 yards, and three touchdowns. And he had 110 rushing attempts, 575 yards, and six touchdowns. And he also missed three games. So those were with three games missed. 
Jameer Gibbs, what I saw during training camp, using him in the slot, using him out of the backfield, they have said up there, and Brad Holmes has come out and said that he is not a running back. He is an offensive weapon that we will use at multiple positions on the offensive side of the ball to get the ball in his hands. And he was the second, I would say second, probably most explosive playmaker uh, in the coming out in the draft last year behind B. John Robinson. So he get his touches in the passing game and he's going to get his touches as a runner. And I think he's going to have a monster year. And he came out and even predicted that he's going to have a combined, I believe, 1,500 yards. If he does that, then he's going to be up for definitely uh, one of the top candidates for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And by the way, he actually plays two of the three most popular positions, running back and wide receiver, that are targeted for this award. And if you're uh, listening, I'll just tell you the odds real quick. Bryce Young is plus 450 to win the award. Second favorite to Bijan. Jameer Gibbs is plus 600. Third favorite. All right, next up, Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison. Uh, and this is why I am going to go with Jordan Addison as another favorite. Kirk Cousins threw the ball an astonishing, astonishing 724 attempts last year. K.J. Osborne had 93 targets. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson, who they just paid, had 44 targets with the Lions in eight games, but he had 99 targets after that with the Minnesota Vikings. J.J., he had 198 targets. Good Lord, can you imagine? (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of balls thrown your way. Absolutely. So when you look at K.J., J.J., and Hawkinson, they're going to get their share, but everybody's going to try to take J.J. away. So they're going to be rolling the coverage to him, doing everything they can. The guy that Jordan Addison is replacing is Adam Thielen, and Adam Thielen had 115 targets Mm. last year. So with everybody focused on taking the tight end out, taking J.J. out, Dalvin Cook is not in the backfield anymore. So that that part of their explosive pass game, because Mm -hmm. Dalvin Cook was one of the most explosive playmakers, especially when he got in the ball on screens and things like that in the passing game, I believe Jordan Addison is going to get more than his share of targets. And if he's getting over 150 targets during the year, he has a chance to have a monster breakout year as well because of all the attention to the other offensive playmakers on the Minnesota Vikings. Jordan Addison plus 2,200 to win offensive rookie of the year, ninth favorite to win. Jordan's gone from Kenny Pickett to Pitt to Caleb Williams at USC to now another gunslinger in in Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. All right, Debo, he's made three great cases. Do you want to guess first or do you want me to guess first? I will guess the last guy he mentioned. I don't think Rick cares about the odds or knows what they mean. So I think the pick – is Jordan Addison. Um, I do not think it is Jameer Gibbs. I don't think he would go two for two on Detroit Lions, which is a little hit to defensive rookie of the year. So my pick is Addison for Rick. That's funny. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like he's talked up Bryce so much that he's probably sick of talking about Bryce. Jameer is a little too close to home too soon. We want to see how Jameer, Jameer is going to be great, but I, I think he doesn't want to go all in on the Honolulu Blue just yet. 
He's got he's wearing his little t-shirt under there and his muscle shirt. You can't see it yet. So I think he's going to go with Jordan Addison, who he quietly liked during the draft process and paints a good picture for why he can have success early, given that he's replacing Adam Thielen, who isn't quite as dynamic as Jordan, clearly much more savvy in terms of his NFL experience. But I also will go with Jordan Addison. Do I get to say who I picked? Yeah, of course. Got to figure this out. <laughs> I picked Jordan Addison. Yeah! <laughs> And the reason I picked him because if I bet one dollar, Debo, do I win twenty two hundred dollars? <laughs> Not quite, but I like that math. You would uh, come back home with twenty three dollars, Rick. No, it's plus twenty two hundred. One dollar gets him two twenty, right? No, that that's just twenty two to one. Oh, so I can't. I can't do the math either. <laughs> it's twenty two hundred to one. No, it's plus 2,200. It's 22 to 1. You got to divide it by 100. My bad. Oh, that, so. that doesn't say that. It just says plus 2,200. That means if I bet $1, I get $2,200. Hey, Rick, do you think we should start a gambling podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Thank God for Debo. Uh, we, we, th- we would go out and buy all this stuff thinking we're going to make all this money, then Debo sends us a $20 bill. <laughs> all right. Thank you for your patience, Debo. All right. Debo and I are 1 and 0. That was a good one. Good sell job, Rick. You'd be a great salesman. All right, let's go to my guys. These are going to be home runs. First up, Bijan Robinson. He is the favorite, no surprise there, plus 275. And um, that means, Rick, if you bet a dollar, you win $2.75. I think I got the math right on that one. And we've talked about this throughout the summer. And I said this the other day, and you agree with it. He's more important to Desmond Ritter than either Kyle Pitts or Drake London. And I think we, we still both agree with that. He flashed. I think he only played in the second preseason game in Sweet Mercy Alive. He was really good in that. They played the Bengals, and uh, his first touch was electric. I expect a lot more touches to be electric. He showed unbelievable ability in the pass game. He can block if you need him to block. So he is going to be a huge asset and is going to help cover up any sort of second year figuring things out with Des Ritter. Maybe Des Ritter comes out slinging if he struggles a little bit. The great news is you can lean on Bijan. So, he's on. He's one of the players on my list. First running back drafted, eighth overall. Jameer Gibbs went 12th. Next up, I'm getting a little longer odds here. Plus 800. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Indianapolis Colts. Now, here's the thing. Only 13 starts at Florida. Compared to, we like to compare him to Jalen Hurts because Shane Steichen is now the coach in Indianapolis. He was Jalen's offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. Jalen had 42 starts at Alabama and Oklahoma. So clearly a lot more experience coming out, but Anthony's a better athlete and a better arm. He just has to put it all together. Saw glimpses of it during the preseason. We talked about that on previous podcasts. Now, Jonathan Taylor has to be there. It can't be a situation where Anthony's asked to do everything from jump street. Michael Pittman needs to continue to play well. Alec Pierce needs to play better. Uh, The offensive line is going to have some concerns, but I think Anthony Richardson hides those concerns because he is so incredibly athletic. We saw flashes of his ability to get to the edge in the running game and just truck defensive backs on the edge. And I think he can do that. You know what? I'm taking 15 hits a game, but I think he can do that in select moments, much like we saw Jalen Hurts do with Philadelphia. He can push the ball downfield as good as anyone. Uh, he has a hose. Uh, just got to <laughs> find out where it's going. You got to manage right. You got to manage the decisions is what I was trying to get to with Shane Sykes. Shane Sykes has to do a good job of managing the decisions that Anthony's being put to uh, the decisions being put forward to, to Anthony. 
So yeah, it's got a fire hose. You just don't know that uh, right. fire hose is like right. water going everywhere. Our baseball coach used to say, uh, a gun without a sight stays on the rack. So <laughs> no matter how good your arm is, you gotta you gotta hit what you're what you're trying to hit there. So he's number two. Number three, Ty J Spears going deep down the rabbit hole, plus five thousand. So he's twenty second, the twenty second favorite to to win. So that's those are steep odds there. But I have him on here because one of the concerns coming out, we talked about this, Rick, wasn't his ability to make plays because we saw in the final game for Tulane, they absolutely destroyed USC, and he had a big part in that. Uh, there were some concerns that he might have a, a knee that was lingering. Now, he looked to be A-OK 100% in the preseason. He flashed. The Bears game sticks out to me as a preseason game in which I was like, okay, he looks to be back to form. And if he stays healthy, I think he could be a, a nice compliment, obviously, to Derrick Henry. And you talked about Jameer Gibbs' versatility. Tajay isn't quite that versatile, and Tajay probably won't see the ball quite as often because of Derrick Henry. But if Derrick Henry needs to take a break, if, God forbid, he gets banged up and has to miss some time, Tajay can step right in to that role. He's the number two on the depth chart. The only other running back on the roster right now is Julius Chestnut after Derrick Henry. So this team is is not necessarily a home-run hitting team with Ryan Tannehill and, and no longer having uh, A.J. Brown. They do have Dre Hopkins. We'll see how that works out, but he's obviously – uh, older now, I think he's in his 30s. So Ty J Spears is my long shot candidate, but who I think has an opportunity when he gets on the field to be special. So knowing that, Rick, you and Debo can sort out who goes first, and then I'll let you know if you're right. Go ahead, Debo, because I I don't understand this logic whatsoever. I'm which, which one? I'll explain. Single one of them except B. John Robinson to me. Because I didn't want to go chalk. I didn't want to just pick the obvious ones. Yeah, well, you did. You picked B. John Robinson, which is definitely the obvious one because he's going to have – and look at who his head coach is, Arthur Smith. What did Arthur Smith do? Utilize the running back named King Henry, by the way. <laughs> look how mad he is, Devo. <laughs> Anthony Richardson doesn't have – He has Shane Steichen. <laughs> yeah, okay. And he can't hit a bull in the ass, arse with a base fiddle. I, so, think you can say, I think you say ass. Hey, I thought he looked okay in preseason. You're you. And then Spears, are you kidding me? I hope he wins just to spite you. Somehow you managed to piss Rick off with a, a very innocent segment. <laughs> oh, he's so bad. I think he's mad because he doesn't know which way I'm going to go. I think that's why. I, I think. Right off. If you don't go B. John Robinson, then don't do this podcast. It's ridiculous. <laughs> if you pick anyone other than B. John Robinson. All and right. Well, let's see where Debo has to. Richardson out. I, it, I am going to argue with you for the rest of the show's. Here the kingdom come. All right. Well, buckle up. Ryan's going to get a little bit down the list when we get to defensive player of the year. So I do think he goes chalk here and picks Bijan. Yeah. That's a low hanging fruit. My God. <laughs> Take your guy and move on. Oh my gosh. So Diva, why do you think Rick is so angry? <laughs> I ask myself that every day. Because <laughs> I didn't find Troy Eggman, damn it. <laughs> All right. So we got Jordan Addison. By the way, Jordan Addison is plus 2,200. He's not – the the odds aren't – I mean, they're not as good as Anthony Richardson's odds. So yeah. it's not like you, you went chalk. No, I didn't go with the low-hanging fruit. Go with the low-hanging fruit. I was considering Anthony Richardson, but sweet mercy alive, you hate him so much, I can't do it. All right. That's the offensive side of the ball. Who Jordan Addison. That? Oh, Bijan. I'll take Bijan. Yeah, of course you did. Well, he's going to win it. <laughs> so that's why I picked him. All right. Okay, Debo, for a dollar bet, if whoever gets, however they come out ranked, 
wins the dollar. So if whoever ranks highest in the in the voting, yeah, gotcha. Okay, and I'll even give them two to one odds. No, I got twenty two hundred to one. So if I give you a dollar, you owe me twenty two hundred. Oh, okay. All right, make a note of that, Diva. Oh, oh, Rick, twenty two hundred bucks. All right, so dollar bet, Bijan or Jordan, whoever ranks highest on the final list, I would imagine uh, one of those guys might be number one. We'll find out together. All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about my non-traditional, non-chalk defensive offensive rookie of the year candidates right after this. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent island they got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching this, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Football is back, baby. Are you more excited? Well, I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask you anyway. You were you obviously loved after cutdown day being able to go to the college football games and just taking sort of actually relaxing on, on some degree. You're probably more excited for that, more nervous about the start of the NFL season, right? Yeah, no, it was more relaxing, and uh, but then now it's uh, you know now you're very excited about opening weekend, and you think you know what you have, but you don't know what you have until they actually get out there and roll the ball out there on the field and. Let's see what happens. Yeah, I can. I mean, especially the first game because you know you don't know. No, you one don't knows. know what you don't know. Yeah, and you put so much into it. I mean, so much time. Literally, six months of work comes down to this weekend, right? And you and you. That's why you're even probably more anxious on opening day weekend than any other weekend, is because you don't know what you don't know. All right, I'm going to ask you quickly before we do the defensive side of the ball. So, what was your routine? For home games at Minnesota, what time did you get up for a one p.m.? Uh, so they play noon uh, in the right yeah. Central Time. So what time did you get up on, on Sunday for a noon game? Six. Okay, that's sleeping in for Rick. And then what'd you do? Walk the dogs. Walk the dogs like I do every day. Yep. Uh, had my traditional breakfast with my uh, wife because yep. she makes my breakfast every morning. And you are very much a creature of habit, too. Yes. Worth noting. I get the same thing every morning for breakfast. Yep. Uh, although the other day I tried to ask her to clean up after breakfast and I yeah. got real nervous. I was walking on eggshells the rest of the day. <laughs> oh, I thought this would be a dad joke. You actually did that? Yeah. Oh, that was, that, that wasn't as good. I, I thought you on eggshells the rest of the day. I thought you, so wait a second. Until I got to the stadium Yeah. about 9am and then I'd go do my uh, three-mile walk down to the stadium. I had a route that I took around the city of Minneapolis. But wait a second. You were pretty well-known. So were people yelling and screaming at you out the window as you did your walk? Hoodie. <laughs> He's like Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, then I'd do my walk, and I'd come back in, in my shower and everything, and then put on the uh, game day suit, and uh, then go out there for pregame and shake hands and kiss babies with yep. – the other general manager, tell him what a great job he did building this program this offseason and 
you know, wish him luck and talk to some coaches. It was great to talk to some coaches, though, before the game that you know or guys that you maybe want to introduce yourself to. Especially oh, on the other side, on the other side. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So did a lot of that, and then you go up, you go up into your booth and have your stomach in a knot for the next three and a half hours. Now halftime, you don't go into the locker room, right, or do you? No. Okay. No. And done. do you go after the game? Yes. Go down. Win there. or loss. Win or loss down there every after the game, home or away. Uh, went and saw the head coach right after the game. Um, PR guy would come in. We'd sit there. Hey, this is probably what they're going to ask you. I took notes on every play during the game. I 100% believe that. And then watch the game production. So making sure that they showed uh, highlights, like if it was a controversial play and there was a challenge flag thrown, make sure you're throwing the right flag or the right angle up there for our coaches to make the right, correct judgment. So that's the only, so sorry to get off track here, Debo, but I'm actually curious. So that's the only angle the coaches have is on the big screen or do the coaches up in the no, booth have their own televisions? The big screen and officials. It's the booth that's coming from the TV trucks that the coaches are looking up the stairs. But I told them if there's another angle that the coaches don't have, but our stadium can't, cameras have that aren't part of the TV production, throw it up there on a big board. Okay. If it was for us, not if I was, was going to say for both sides. No. no. <laughs> yeah. If it was going to be against us, get the widest angle, check the box that we followed the league rules, but get the widest, crappiest angle you can possibly get to throw up there on the uh, big board. Oh, that's funny. So there's a league rule that you have to show the replay, but yeah, we the quality I, of the replay. Yep. I had uh, a lot of meetings with the uh, people that work the stadium cameras and everything for the Vikings and production, just so to explain the rules and why you want to show this and don't want to show this, but that's a whole nother, a whole nother segment, but I actually had seminars. So they understood the rules and well, that's great. You know, the quarterback, I give them different examples just to show them. And, and so you have to uh, try to educate uh, as many people as possible on game day. But the takeaway there is that no detail is too small. No detail is too small. So interesting. All right, Debo, make a note of that and we'll circle back to the Rick, two, uh... Do you have any sense of how many openers, what your opener win loss record was? None. Debo knows. So that means he looked it up. How I'm many years? Now, I was going to say I'll give you a dollar if you get the number right. Yeah, I have no clue. All right, 16 so openers. I'm going to guess he won at least 10. He pulled he a uh, He pulled a 2003 dog. Oh, 9 and 7 in openers with the Vikings. How about home record openers? We were really good at home, we were crappy on the road. That's a reflection of the general manager, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to look a little more in that. But 9 and 7 in 16 years with the Vikings. Yeah, so you were 10-6 and six without? Our home record was very good, I can tell you. And then it's like I used to break down the schedule, uh, home versus away, and then what our record was on Monday nights, Thursday nights, versus playoff teams versus non-playoff teams. I mean, I had a pretty in-depth breakdown of records. And then so when you revisit it at the end of the year, okay, on Thursday nights when we're on the road, we're 0-4. When we were at home, we were 4-1. and Okay, mm -hmm. so reason. So, are there things that we have to adjust if we have a short week and we're going on the road? Um, you know, we looked at West Coast. Well, we were right in the middle of the country, but it was like three hours to Seattle or three and a half, whatever it was, to LA. Is it 
are we better when we go out the day before? Or are we better when we go out Friday? Uh, you know, we went over to London. We were 2-0 and versus in London every time we played. You beat the Steelers there. in 2013. I remember that game because the Steelers yeah. got to a really slow start. And then we beat the Browns uh, yeah. over there as well. So we had a system down on uh, what we did and why we why we won. Uh, but it was part of the plan, not only coaches' game planning and everything else, but actually how we traveled, when we traveled, why we traveled. I can't believe you. During the season, you still get to bed at a reasonable hour because I feel like you have like you're working twenty hours a day handling all this stuff. Yeah, no, I went to I left the office at uh, usually nine nine thirty and okay. then went straight to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say you didn't stay up too much longer than that. I don't imagine. Got my two cookies and a glass of milk, and then I went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, that was interesting. Thank you for a little peek behind the curtain there. Let's look to the defensive rookie of the year candidates. Past 10 years, four defensive ends, three cornerbacks, one defensive tackle, and a linebacker, and one, as Debo notes, one Micah Parsons. Turns out he's pretty special. Didn't play his final year because of COVID. Didn't matter. Sauce Gardner had two interceptions, but led the league last year with 20 pass breakups. Is that good? Yes. That's pretty good. Marcus Peters, NFL high, eight interceptions, and a league-leading 26 pass breakups. Uh, his rookie season, and of course, he had the uh, fallen out with the coaching staff in Washington, and and that affected his draft stock a little bit. So, in the first round, Marshawn Lattimore out of Ohio State, five interceptions and eighteen pass breakups in his rookie campaign. Rick, your candidates are Jalen Carter, who's plus five hundred; he's the second favorite to win it after Will Anderson. Christian Gonzalez, plus a thousand, cornerback drafted from Oregon to the Patriots, and finally. And this is a huge surprise. Jack Campbell, the, the uh, Lions' second first-round pick after Jameer Gibbs, plus 1,200 out of Iowa, and I'm excited to see him play starting tonight. All right, give us your spiel, buddy. All right, Jalen Carter. Odds of a defensive tackle winning this are slim and none, but slim has not left town. So we still have a little bit of a chance. Here, let me interrupt you quickly. Do you remember the only other one to win it since 2000, or the past 10 years, excuse me? I'm guessing. I'm going to say Aaron Donald. That's right. And five years before that, it was in Dominican Sioux, but you got it. So I, I'm going to say Jalen Carter is not going to, I'm going, he's going to be in a rotation because the Philadelphia Eagles do a lot of rotation. That's why they were so successful last year with their pass rush. They keep their guys fresh. I think he'll be an integral part of their third down on nickel rush. Um, but unless he produces like Aaron Donald and gets that amount of snaps or Chris Jones, who had 15 and a half, mm. if he doesn't get near double digit sacks, which I don't think he will his rookie year, but I do think that if he does, he's definitely going to be one of the top candidates for defensive rookie of the year. My yeah. next candidate is Christian Gonzalez. Now I'm looking at the New England Patriots. And I'm looking at one thing is pretty consistent with New England is they always play good defense and they'll play some man coverage as well. And last year, uh, Jonathan Jones had 11 PBUs and four interceptions. Uh, Jack Jones had six PBUs and two interceptions. So I think the reason I'm going with Christian Gonzalez is because of those guys and how they have played for the New England Patriots. Everybody's going to put, pick on the new kid on the block, and they're going to go after him. And the one knock 
on Christian Gonzalez was before he was at Oregon when he was at Colorado was his game or his ball skills and his ability to find a ball in the air. Now, he proved that when he went to Oregon and had the great year he had, which got him drafted where he was drafted. So he's going to get a lot of opportunities to give him an op a chance to be a defensive rookie of the year. And you see all the DBs that won defensive rookie of the year had a high volume of either interceptions or PBUs or the combination of both. And he's definitely going to get targeted a lot because of who's playing opposite of him on a New England Patriots defense. And my last... Very quickly, I'll just say, Christian Gonzalez, unlike the Jones brothers, not really brothers, but the, the Jonathan and, and Jack, he's tall. Those guys are, aren't, aren't tall of stature, and they're still making plays. Christian Gonzalez is probably the best athlete in the secondary. Kyle Duggar's a pretty special athlete, Marty Mapu is as well on that defense. But I just wanted to mention that Christian Gonzalez is also a, a tall drink of water, as the yep. player must like to say. Yep, yep. Uh, like they draw him up, as we say in the scouting world, as a corner. And then my last candidate, um, who uh, Jack Campbell from the Detroit Lions. I was going back through my Rolodex, and when has ever a middle linebacker ever won Defensive Rookie of the Year? It's always pass rushers with the sacks. It's always the DBs that have the fancy PBUs and all the interceptions and all the fancy stats. Fancy stats. What are fancy stats? Fancy stats are the ones that win you <laughs> these awards that we're talking about. Okay. But I am predicting that Jack Campbell will just have a ton of production this year. The last player, I guess, that popped in my head, and I didn't do the research, as you know, I just go off the top of my head, yep. was Luke Kuechly. Kuechly, 2012. And he had 164 tackles, 103 solos, 61 assists, one sack, two interceptions. He was a defensive uh, rookie of the year in 2012. Is that what you said? 2012. 2012. So I can see similar stats Jack Campbell producing that Luke did his rookie year coming out of Boston College. It's funny that you don't remember <laughs> linebackers because I have to let's go back to 2000. 2000, Brian Urlacher, safety out of where? We drafted him when I was there in Chicago. Oh, you remember where he went to school? Yeah, I do remember where he went to school. Are you going to tell me? Out West. You're, th you're thinking about it. Huh? No, I read it. Was it New Mexico State? <laughs> I think it was just New Mexico, wasn't it? New Mexico. Yeah. He was a safety linebacker. And then 2001, Kendrell Bell's another linebacker out of Georgia, second-round pick for the Steelers. 2004, Jonathan Vilma out of the U, went to the Jets. Uh, 06, some guy named D'Amico Ryans. I think he turned out okay. Um, out as of a, As a player and now a first-year head coach. Patrick Willis was the next year at a um, – it was Ole Miss? Yeah, yes. Patrick, Patrick Willis? Yes. Uh, great career for the 49ers. Gerard Mayo the very next year for the Pats. And then uh, Brian Cushing, Houston, Texas. So there have been a run on him, interestingly enough, but not since 2012. So it's been over a decade. And Jack Campbell is your guy. All right, Debo. I mean. I how do you know I picked him? I didn't say who I picked. No, he's the last guy you talked about. Yeah. I'm going to have Debo. Debo can go first. I was just no, going to say. You definitely picked him. You definitely picked Jack Campbell. <laughs> it feels like it, right? Because he passed on Jameer Gibbs. He couldn't go two and two for the Detroit Lions rookie of the years on both sides of the ball. Yeah, Christian Carter, Christian is Christian Carter. Christian Gonzalez feels like a, a red herring. Like you're not taking him. He didn't have the ball production necessary to, to be taken seriously. Although you made a compelling case. And as Debo notes, Jalen Carter makes sense, but 
Aaron Donald had nine sacks as a rookie, and Dominican Sue had 10 sacks as a rookie. Is Jalen Carter getting nine plus sacks? That's yep. the only way he gets in a conversation, is what I'm saying, and I don't see that happening. All right, Debo, what's your final answer? It's going to be Jalen Carter, but Rick's pick is Jack Campbell. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Jack Campbell. I don't know what Debo's talking about the Jalen Carter. Is that easy to read when I'm giving uh, stating facts on why I liked all these players? You no, were- you did a good job. But you will notice that neither Debo, Debo nor I was yelling and screaming at the, the selections. We were angry at you for the, the names you, you chose. You had this little twinkle in your eye when you said Jack Campbell. And it's no real secret that you think Jack Campbell's the, you know, to follow up on Debo, the apple of your eye. I give you credit for not picking Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. That That's pro- progress in my mind. Oh, believe me. I was going back and forth all night. <laughs> couldn't sleep. I was sweating last night, and I said I just couldn't. I woke up this morning with a decision, and I just couldn't do it. All right, so Jordan Addison is your offensive rookie of the year candidate. Jack Campbell is your defensive rookie of the year candidate. All right, let's go to my three guys. And if it were up to me, they would all be named winners, but I don't think it's going to happen. Let's start in Washington with Emmanuel Forbes, the young man that you were talking about last fall when you saw him play Alabama. Got your attention. Yes, he's only six feet, 166, but he ran in the fourth fours. He may have gotten to the four threes. More importantly, he is a ball hawk. Six picks last year, six career pick sixes, including three last year. He had three in 2020 as a freshman, 14 career interceptions, 10 pass breakups last season, and he is always around the football. He got into a few scuffles during the joint practices. Uh, let you know he plays with an edge and turnovers translate, Rick. He's going to get plenty of opportunity to have the ball thrown his way because he plays in a division where there's Dak Prescott, where there's Daniel Jones, and some guy named Jalen Hurts. So he's going to see plenty of opportunities to make plays on the ball. So I think he is going to follow in the footsteps of Sauce Gardner and Tariq Woolen is another player who had a great rookie season, didn't win it last year, but he was certainly in the conversation. Next up, Got to go back to Detroit. I mean, we're going to name every rookie they drafted as part of this process. Another one of our favorite guys. Should have been a first-round pick. Ran a 4-6, and that got him into round two, which is great news for Detroit. Brian Branch, the, the safety. He's going to be the starting nickelback. In fact, they had to rearrange their defense, the secondary, to make room for him, which is a good problem to have. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is now playing uh, another safety position. They got Kirby Joseph their former day two pick out of Illinois. But I think Brian Branch, and we talked about this consistently uh, over the draft process, there's a reason he was the play the star position for Nick Saban. Not only is he a great football player, he's incredibly smart. And like Nick Saban isn't giving that job to anybody. And rarely was Brian Branch out of position. He will come up and tackle you. He can cover plenty well. We saw him play with a little juice in the preseason. So I think he has an opportunity uh, to make some noise. The only issue is when you play that position, you got to either force fumbles, uh, recover fumbles, get interceptions, and that's sometimes a little tougher to do as a nickelback, but he's special, Rick, so I think he can do it. <laughs> and finally, as we hear Rick chuckle there in the background. I was coughing. Oh, that was a cough. Okay. A guy that popped for us at the Senior Bowl. We talked to him at the Combine, had a little edge uh, chip on his shoulder, played with a little edge. Keon White. 6'5", 290-ish, I believe. 
maybe he plays closer to 280 now, but he plays five tech, seven tech, nine tech. He can set the edge of the run game against the Texans in that week one preseason game. They had no answers. Now they had their backup tackles in there, but fair enough. He's just going up against the guys that line up for him. And he was giving CJ Stroud all sorts of trouble. He battled an injury for the rest of preseason, I believe, but I think he has an opportunity to come in on what Rick already described as a great defense. And they have ways of finding these guys that other people overlook. He was a second-round pick. Probably should have gone in round one. He can get after the quarterback. He can stop the run. He can get into the backfield, have tackles for losses. And I think, much like the conversation with Jalen Carter, if he gets nine or ten sacks, which is that's a big deal, that's Aiden Hutchinson territory, he'll be in the mix. That's it. Those are my three guys. Who do you think it is? <laughs> Has he ever had nine or ten sacks in his career? Played at Georgia Tech, probably not. And ODU before that. You got to look at history. Be a, uh, you got to understand who's he, who's playing opposite of him. All right, let me ask you a question. Did Jalen Carter have nine or ten sacks in his career at Georgia? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he has ability to. You don't think Keon White has ability to get nine sacks? No. Are you serious? No. I might take him just out of spite because of that. All right. Well, you want Debo to go first or do you want to go first, angry old man? Uh, it's it's the only one that has a legit chance. Is, is he is so angry, Devo. <laughs> Forbes. So you're going to go with the 160 pounder who does have unique ball skills. But it's just a matter of if he can stay on the field for 17 NFL games. Does he have an injury history? Well, no, he doesn't. Okay. And you've said before that's uh, that's what you look at. That's true. All right. So he's going to say Emmanuel Forbes. What do you got, Devo? Yeah, I, I think you are envisioning like six picks for Forbes, and that's my pick as well. Am I that easy? I sound like Rick. Am I that easy to read? Or just no, put so many stupid arguments for the other ones. <laughs> oh. Hey, Debo, I suggest we do this episode every week because Rick gets so fired up. Yeah, it's Emmanuel Forbes. So, yeah. all right, Debo, you tell you tell us who do you think, and you can include the odds there if it helps you make a decision better. Jordan Addison and Jack Campbell for Rick, Bijan and, and Emmanuel Forbes for me. Who do you think has the best chance to 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 clean up and, and include the odds? Because obviously Bijan's going to be the favorite. I think it's going to be you because of Bijan. Here we uh, go. Pick on Rick again. It's a uh, pick on the bully on the team. Pick on, on the bully. <laughs> Bijan at at plus two seventy five is definitely different than twenty two to one for Addison. And then 15 to one for Forbes and 12 to one for Campbell. Those two are, are pretty close in terms of the gambling odds on rookie of the year. All right. I think it's going to be Tanner McGee and, and Carter. Shelly Carter, Tanner McGee. It's McGee, Rick McGee. Yeah. Um, all right. I should have gone with Anthony Richardson and Keon White. What did you done then, Rick? Would you quit the show? Yeah, I, I, no, I would, I, I would have not, I would have not gotten mad. I would have just respected <laughs> all the hard work you put into this show today. Oh, he found the sheet of paper. He didn't have it earlier. All right, that's it. A little yeah. long today. Yeah, there was. I, you, you know, you're right. I'll tell you the right on one thing. Ryan. What's that? What am I right about? <laughs> you, you know, like on this Zoom stuff here, it's all great and fine, and I think I am funny on Zoom. So I was on with another group the other day. And uh, I told a joke and there was 25 people on there and no one laughed. Oh, no. I found out I'm not remotely funny. (laughs) 
you know, the thing is, you should have stopped after the, the first one was good. And then it's just, you, you drove the car off the cliff. Dumb and Louisa. He definitely exceeded the dad jokes allowed. He stayed under on accents allowed, which is 0. 0.5 yeah. per show. He was under. He was Way over under. on dad jokes, which is one. And I was worried about the accents allowed because he talked about going to England. I thought he was going to break out the English accent as part of motivation why the, the Vikings was 2-0 and in, in overseas. But he didn't yeah. see yeah, we were in a little bit of a sneaky wicked. All right, all right. There it is. All right. That's our Just cue. Just a little reminder on uh, – I wanted to give a uh, reminder on $1 bets that you guys made a couple months ago over the summer. Oh, yeah, let's $1 go. $1 a piece on receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. Rick had Addison for all three. Ryan went with Zay Flowers. So that'll be one that we're – or not Zay Flowers. Um, oh. Yeah. The the Ravens rookie? Yeah. Yeah, that's, Zay. That's Zay. Was, I love that. Um, and then – Rick has a dollar. Will Anderson over eight and a half sacks. Oh, um, not mentioned on, on today's show, but is the favorite for defensive rookie of the year, just ahead of, of Jalen Carter's. And then Ryan has one dollar that Stetson Bennett will start two games. <laughs> I don't feel great about that. I'll, I'll mail you the well, 100 pennies. He will because Stafford's not going to be able to hold up. He looks like are our one dollar bets involving. 2023 rookies. Stetson looked like dog doo doo after the week one celebration I gave him over the preseason. So he needs to to get his act together. The other ones I feel good about. All right, cool. Hey, if you like what we do here, take a quick sec to give us a thumbs up on YouTube. And if you love what we do here, take a step further. Subscribe and give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And remember, Rick, if you leave a five star review on Apple Podcasts with a prospect's name, we'll evaluate that player in an upcoming show. You can do that too, Rick, by the way. You can leave a five-star review and a player that you want to talk about, and we'll talk about it. Can I get a freebie? <laughs> yeah. so you one last have have your wife film you trying to navigate a podcast app, and <laughs> we'll put it out on social media. Yeah, while well, he's walking on eggshells around his wife after... What'd you do? You, you yelled at her cooking or something? No, no. She makes me breakfast Sunday morning, but I get intimidated when I ask her to clean me up after my breakfast, and I walk on eggshells the rest yeah. of the day. Okay, that's it. That's a wrap on episode 78. Thanks as always to uh, our comedian in residency, Rick Spielman. Thanks to Devo for producing, and thanks to all you guys who watch, listen, and comment. Enjoy the return of the NFL. Have a good weekend, and we'll see you back here next week. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Gather your besties. We are very exclusive. And get ready. Mom, go make snacks. For sure, Regina. For the movie that hits like a bus in a good way. No one dies. Mean Girls. Rated PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.